College basketball fans, can you believe it? We are staring right down the barrel of the 2023-2024 college basketball season. I'm Timmy Hall. Evil bald Colin is right over there. It's good to see you, man. Here we are. Episode 90 coming Tim, at you. It's great to see you, and it's great to know that once we're talking again on this platform, it means that basketball is right around the corner, and I can't get even – I can't – even express how excited I am for how great this slate is to start off the season and just the amount of unknowns with all the changes in the sport going into the season. Well, we've, we've got a lot of time to break things down here. We've of course had the passing of Indiana coaching legend, Bobby Knight, who depending on when you grew up, what you knew about Indiana basketball, because Indiana basketball for the last 20 years it's just started to come back a little bit recently since Mike Woodson took over the program. You got the Tom Crean era, and that is what it is. He kind of tried. He had some great yeah. points at the beginning, and then it kind of yeah. tailed off at the end. Tried to get them back, but really for a, a big chunk of time from 2000 when Bobby Knight left to just now recently, Indiana, I think, has has been debated about are they still a blue blood? That's how long it's been, and... Depending on how old you guys are, our listeners, our audience, it can mean a bunch of different things and how emotional of a loss that is for you, the kind of guy Bobby Knight was. It's it's really crazy. I mean, you talk about an icon. You know, CB, say what you will about him. Bobby Knight is a top five figure in the history of the game. It can't be debated. Right? Yeah. That, that's not that's not debatable. No, it's not. We could debate maybe some of these other guys. I mean, I'm thinking right off the top of my head, and it, it's usually coaches. I think that's another thing that I've heard in the last 12 hours, because as we're doing this, it's still, uh, we're less than a day away from when Bobby Knight passed. I actually was on the air doing our, our local show, The Buckeye Show, and Tyvis Powell, he just hands me his phone. Like, I'm setting up the tease, as we say in the biz, right? Teasing ahead to the next segment. And he just throws his phone my way, and it has an image of Bobby Knight. And I'm, I, I haven't even thought of Bobby Knight in how long? You I know? agree. No, He's been I, out, of the, out of the game, kind of off the radar. I was in the same, I mean, same situation, kind of, in, in the sense where I was completely caught off guard. I was, like, getting out of the car to go into the grocery store and got the ESPN alert that it happened. And... Like it kind of stuns you at the, it, it at the beginning. It does stun you. You do know where he was in the recent years in terms of the health and dementia kind of really set in, and it was kind of a sad process to where it finally got to. Um, so it was it wasn't really like a surprise at a point it happened, but it's still kind of a shock to the system because of how important he he has been. Yeah, to not just really our sport with college basketball, but just the sporting world as a whole. Yeah, but he when he showed me that phone, I, I stopped in my tracks and I on the air. I said, "Oh, what, is he dead?" And people, of course, wouldn't know what I was meaning. And then I had to do the, I teased that ahead until, you know, stick around. We had a big death in the sports world. You guys that are basketball fans will certainly, this will affect you a lot more. And then, I, you know, did the whole coming up. But I had to shake my head a couple times. And I asked him, you know, is, is are you sure? Is that real? Is that real? Because when you see this stuff circulate on social media, yeah, that's you do want to do some verifying. At least Google it and make sure that you see, all right, ESPN.com's got it. New York Post has it. Yahoo has it. You know, you know, Bleach Report, whoever, all the different sources have it, but and uh, it, it certainly was the case. But yeah, you 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 go through all these different you know, ranges of emotions as a basketball fan when when you grew up, what your viewpoints of him were, whether you're more of an old school player or a new school player, and that's kind of part of 
his legacy, right, is how he's viewed and even everyone that played for him and friends of his. I thought Jay Bills is for anyone that's looking for more of a, a deep dive. Jay Bills had an article about him who got to work with him when he was in his ESPN commentating career. That's when you got to know him a little bit right, more. Absolutely. And he worked with Brent Musburger a lot, uh, traded in the red sweater for a green sweater with the four letter on it and did his thing and was crazy about shot fakes. What I can remember from watching and listening to ESPN games when Bobby Knight was on the call, ah, you got to use a good shot fake to get your man off the floor. Nothing beats a good shot fake. I can remember that, but <laughs> Billis just looked at both sides of it. Cause he of course had coach K as his mentor from that side of it. And so he kind of was on both sides of one of those key relationships in all of college basketball, which was Knight to coach K and how that one was kind of fractured. And it's just, it's a, he's a, a complicated man, I think would be the best way to put it. Very much. And I think the way you think and remember him can be different based off of the generation you came up in. And you were kind of hinting at that, Tim, in your previous discussion. But especially for me, I mean, my earliest re- uh, memories of just what I knew of Bob Knight was, if you remember, maybe it was ESPN that did that TV series when he was at Texas Tech. That was kind of like a behind the scenes of like, training camp and preseason and whatnot, getting into his, his Red Raider days. And that was kind of one of my early memories of anything that he was involved in. And you could just see the passion and the way he coached. And really, it's just what, what a lot of people that played for him and coached with him would say is just his brilliant mind for the game and his passion and how he knew how to lead a group of men and, and people and whatever position he was ever in. He was a really good leader in that aspect. It's how he, he knew how to do that. And to me, that's one of the biggest things I took away. Whenever I thought about him, I knew this guy is a guy who really understands the game, the X's and O's of it, and really understands how to play winning basketball, which is a very simple way to put it. But in a, in a way that you can do it so consistently as he did, it's something. That's great what you said. I mean, the basketball mind of this guy, you know, you can't. You can't just be the abrasive guy, right? Rude, crude, sometimes borderline abusive. You know, there have been several accusations that are out there. But also, on the other side, there's several players and friends of his that adored him just because of who he was. And they could take the good with the bad and understand that that was just the times and the old school coaches that we don't really accept in this society anymore. There were players that did accept that back in the day. And they they used that to their benefit to become the people that they became. And you can take, like, look at Coach K. Coach K clearly took bits and pieces of what he learned under Bobby Knight. Which is one he of the biggest the, signs of respect not, yeah, in the yeah. sport. You couldn't be the same exact man, right? right? Because, again, it wouldn't, this is how we got here, where this is how you really, at your age, in, in some senses, me too, because I think about that in, in the year 2000, he's out in Indiana, I'm still just a 16-year-old kid. I've probably got a good six, seven years of really being a hardcore college basketball fan because I was probably single-digit age when I was really into the NCAA tournament. We talked about that. I, right. I was in middle school getting the $5 bills for the NCAA tournament bracket, right? Like, that that was me. <laughs> but if he would have adapted, how many more people would have known him for his coaching style and if he would have tried to taper off a little bit with – how he treated some media members in the outbursts and the F-bomb rants. Would it have been a little bit more about the basketball acumen and just what a brilliant 
basketball savant this is. Well, that's the thing, especially right? at the end of his Indiana tenure where he was starting to get on people's nerves with the way he did things and was eventually, as you mentioned, was outed at the end of the 90s heading into the 2000s. I mean, Davis won with his pl- or his players at a point he took them to that national championship game versus Maryland. Like, he still had some talent in the system, so it wasn't necessarily like the, just the whole program was going down the drain. He still had a pretty good system going there with some good players. It just, you know, off the court and maybe behind the scenes, that kind of led to the end of it. Yeah, I one one thing about his his first couple years at Texas Tech, because his, his run there was eh, you know? It very, was, very mad. It was eh. And again, I think this kind of went to the times were changing, the game was changing, and just think about where it was in 2000 and now where it is, Colin, right? And you can look at college football, and we talk about the transfer portal, and you had uh, you had something that we can share a little bit later on in the podcast about an interesting transfer, and there's a lot of interesting transfers that are made where you can look at that and say, huh, why, why are you doing that? If you were this successful at this place, and then... You're looking to move when you're already at a, at a certain point. There, there's a bunch of examples like that. But it, it he he I read that he gave up portions of his Texas Tech salary because he didn't feel that he earned it. And it didn't say uh, in the article I was reading that how many years that was. I'd never seen that before. But you would never you would never see that from anybody. It doesn't matter how much money you're making, who you are, giving back a salary because you don't feel that you've earned it. Which is hilarious. He's that kind of guy, though. He, he won 20 games in five of his seven years there. Which is not, again, not horrible. Not horrible. Not horrible for where Texas Tech basketball was but at just, the time. It just really reflects the standard he set leading up to that. And it was it was huge for that program when they got him. I mean, they were... They were on all the time because they had the Bobby Knight factor. And again, it's he's the the beacon of how the coaches are usually the stars in this game. When you get to the NBA, it's a different story. If you were to just poll, you know, 100 people who are the biggest icons in NBA history, how many of them would be players? And if you were to poll 100 college basketball fans, who are the biggest icons in college basketball history? How many of them would be coaches that they would point to? Because... They can put in the time. Probably most on both sides. Mo- yeah. Right, yeah. They're the ones that are larger than life, and they've got the history. Players come and go in a three- to four-year cycle, and th- that's the way it is. So this will be the longest that we've ever gone without hitting our podcast open, but it's because the general Bobby Knight has passed away, one of the, the coaching legends in this game, Hall of Famer. First guy to ever amass 900 wins, so there's that. Or... I'm sorry. No, when Bobby Knight, yeah, Bobby Knight's the first hit 900 wins. And then eventually several people have passed him and Coach K hit the 1000 mark and that was a big deal when Coach K passed Bobby Knight on the uh on the coaching all-time wins list. And of course, one of the craziest things, 1976 Indiana Hoosiers. Just like the Miami Dolphins can pop the champagne every time an NFL team the last undefeated loses. We've had some some chances here lately. But still, an undefeated season has not happened since that 1976 Hoosiers team. That's incredible. That I believe that Anthony Davis' Kentucky ago. team was the closest they got to that, right? And they lost to it, Wisconsin. Was it the was it? The and then against Gonz- did the Gonzaga or... team just do this a few years ago and lose in the in the national championship? That's game? right. They went the regular season there and went right? all the way to there. That's right. Yep. And, and UNC got them right. That was that year. That was, I believe, yes. 
So a couple of examples here lately, but still none of them have been able to come through. We will have a little preview of the Ohio State Buckeyes for our Buckeye fans that are listening as they've got to have a get-back season and a look around the country. I know Colin is just pouring over all of his stats and his little nuggets about the teams that he's interested in this year. This is episode 90. Bobby Knight is gone. It's Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it! He hit it! He hit it! Turner! He hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. Bang! Oh! 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 Sapped it in, Jerome! College basketball! This is March Madness! All right, we are getting ready for the 2023-2024 college basketball season. There is so much to talk about. It's hard to it's hard to keep track of an off season. I think for most, even some it's of the bigger keep college track of a lot fans. of things because I do want to add a correction from the before the open. Uh, it was Baylor that Gonzaga lost to in that COVID ch- national championship game. Uh, where they were sorry, th- they okay. were thirty-one and zero at that point. That was um, the, that was the Baylor the Baylor <laughs> title year. But that's a good. Our th- apologies to Scott Drew and the Baylor Bears. That's a good segue into this topic of it's hard to follow the off season too because there's just so many moving pieces and you know even if you just and my my good frame of reference is you go to John Rothstein, the CBS insider for college basketball. He does a top 45 that heads into the preseason and he always does a, like a projected starting five and a bench newcomers and losses column for each team in that top 45. And it's just amazing to see how many transfers are coming in and going out of each program, even in this list. So that just gives you a little frame of reference. If you can see in these top 45 teams, how many players are moving, just expand that to the 360 plus teams. Uh, that are also involved in this. So who are you looking at? Or let, let's start from the season that, that just went away before we, we bust into the new the new campaign here. Interesting teams in the final four. Well, I think you've got to choose Florida Atlantic because can they repeat what Dusty May led them to last year? And No one's going to bet on that. No one's going <laughs> to bet know, on I'm that. So, but, I'm sorry. But again, the preseason rankings by John Rostein I have, he has, a, he has them at number five. So there's still a lot of hype behind this team because, A, they bring back their entire starting lineup with Greenlee, Elijah Martin, John L. Davis, and Vlad Golden. Like, they have all the pieces that they had on that run minus Michael Forrest from last year. But it's also a step up in competition. They're not playing in Conference USA anymore. They're now going to be playing in the American with a watered-down version of the American. But they're still going to have to face schools like Tulane and Memphis compared to who they played in the past. So it's going, to be, it's going to be interesting to see some transitions along the lines of that with conference realignment. And then obviously what we just discussed, all of these transfers. I, you know, they're number 10, which is unbelievable, right? To, to go off of that year and to have everybody back, like you said. I'm not even so much concerned about the switch in the conference because like you just said there, it, it's also not like the American it's down. Yeah. yeah, the American, if you're a good team, right? If you, if you had that run and again, this is another example of where we can go. Like you look at a team like San Diego state, another one that made the final four. We are in an era now where there's more threats to these blue bloods than ever before, because with what the transfer portal does, 
you might just wind up having a couple guys that stay and develop at a program like that if you take a FAU type program, San Diego State type of program. But these these guys are also they might get those reverse kind of transfers where someone starts off at a bigger school at a power school, doesn't get a lot of time, maybe takes a step down to one of the popular mid-majors, and then bolsters up. Take a look at a Jaden Ledee type, a guy who winds up being Absolutely. a really important player. We know him here at Ohio State. Starts at Ohio State. That didn't really work. Wouldn't get the time. Slides down to a TCU. Jamie Dixon winds up getting there. So you get a, a really successful and experienced coach who came over from Pitt, right? And he's elevated that TCU program, but then he slides again and goes to San Diego State, which is no slouch of a program, right? No, absolutely not. And then you've got guys that might transfer out of San Diego State, right? <laughs> that will go to a place like Arizona. It's just the roads go both ways, but we've seen it now for a number of years, and you love mid-majors more than anybody I know, <laughs> and they have opportunity. And I think that's kind of cool that they do. I completely agree. And the opportunity to get, like you were mentioning, this top-tier talent that's coming down to their level and bring or raising the talent and the competitiveness in those leagues to then compete with the big boys. And, I mean, that's the recipe you build for a, a Final Four that we saw last year of San Diego State and Florida Atlantic. Uh, but, yeah, you're going to see it on a larger scale this year. There's a ton of teams that brought in a ton of transfers. I'm, I'm thinking off the top, top of my head. Arkansas, who we'll talk about later. Uh, Memphis brought in a bunch of guys. It's it, You're going to see a lot of new teams maybe bring out some talent, I would say, that is not expected to be there. But if you haven't been following along in the offseason to it, you'll, buy, you'll probably be caught a little off guard early on. But that's how we start to form our narratives once we get to December and January of, okay, this is a different team. They've got a whole lot of different pieces. I mean, the Houston team we'll talk about a little bit later, completely different. They've got pieces everywhere now uh, on different teams. So it's it's going to be interesting to follow. Tell me uh, tell me about a, a team in particular uh, that, you know, they, they can be ranked, just whoever, like someone that you you really like. And I, and I want to say this too. I, I want to say uh, our final four picks we're going to do the final four picks. So I shouldn't pick a final four team here. Well, no, don't, don't, don't even let the cat out of the bag. Okay. We want to do our final four picks on next week's podcast as we go into the champions classic. That's fair. Because okay. the, the opening to college basketball, it's usually a soft opening, right? Everybody's playing teams that they can beat up on. You want to get a look at your favorite squads, but it's that second week. It's like one of those parties that you walk into by mistake doesn't it feel like that where the rest of the sports world joins all of us college basketball fanatics? I mean, is and they it, catch the Dukes and Michigan <laughs> States and Kentuckys playing each other, right? Like, is, oh, is there no other, cool. Is there no other greater example than typically they have that on a night where they're doing the college football rankings re- they do. Uh, preview or yeah. uh, releasing the rankings, and you've got Jay Billis up there breaking down the rankings at a halftime of one of the games. Like that's the biggest example of that. It's it's a tradition unlike any other, right? I'm trying to I'm trying to tell you right now on the spot when that's when those games are going to be because yeah, that that'll be Tuesday, November 14th. Tuesday's the big night. You get Kansas taking on Kentucky, and this is going to be at the United Center in Chicago. That's going to be the late game, Kansas taking on Kentucky. And before that, it's Duke and Michigan State. So you've got two versus four and one versus 16. Kentucky is slouch at number 16 to start the season. But they've been doing this for a long time. And while you know where I stand on neutral site games, I, I want them to be minimized. 
that's great stuff where you get four college basketball powers. And this hasn't really, this hasn't rotated in a long time. These four specific teams have been locked in to this event for well, a while now. Well, they've been so good. I mean, at that point, you might as well not It has been it. consistent. Yeah. No yeah. one's had a, a big time drop off. Yeah. I mean, K- Kentucky's a team where it's, it's Cal's typical. We're just going to get a bunch of five-star freshmen and see how this works out type of scenario. And again, we'll see how that turns out, but I think it's going to be hard early on for them, especially with their schedule. But I mean, you're talking about, about three teams there uh, between Kansas, Michigan state and Duke who are all going to be, pretty prime contenders for the final four. I mean, there's really no doubt in that. And I think, I don't think you could ask for a better, you'd be hard pressed to find a better four to put in that. Yeah. A million percent. I I do want to ask Colin about a mid major that starts ranked in the top 10. And that's the Creighton Jays. Another team that had a, a really good season last year. We've got some history here as Ohio State guys where it very well could have been McDermott as the Buckeye head coach. He stays out there and really has an incredible run. And and Creighton being locked into the Big East, which we definitely respect. And you take a look at Marquette and how they have stormed back and what Xavier usually is. And, of course, UConn being back in the Big East now where they belong and winning the national championship. And they are incredible. But these Creighton Jays, the Blue Jays, I should say, for their, their real name, they're they're going to be good again, and they've got that Iowa game coming up, their third game of the season, also on uh, the 14th of November. Yeah, so Creighton's an interesting team in the fact that they kept a lot that I think they could have lost. They were a team that were, was really in a scary position where they had players that were good enough to probably leave and go pro, and they decided, decided to stick around. I mean, you're talking about uh, Baylor Shireman and Ryan Kalkbrenner. I mean, two players that were really, really monumental in their run in last season and the postseason. And then you're just adding a really good point guard in Steven Ashworth. I believe he's out of Utah State. Yes, that's right, Utah State. And uh, Trey Alexander was a really good shooting guard for them last year uh, and had his moments. So it's it's a team that's going to have a, a solid starting five. And really, when with all this change across the sport, if you've got a locked-in group of five that you feel confident in night in and night out and has really performed for you in the past, you're probably in a good spot to start the season. You mentioned something uh, a few minutes back about the Houston Cougs and what you like about Houston this year. They've been one of these teams that has been knocking on the door, and it's hard for me to envision them getting over the hump, losing some of the guys that they've lost. But when you talk about X's and O's, he's a guy that, of course, has some history. But when you just are looking at a straight-up basketball bench coach, it's hard to do worse than Sampson. He is really, really good. Absolutely. They did lose some guys, though. Jarris Walker and Marcus Sasser, they both went pro. Tough uh, guys to lose. Tough guys team. to lose. Tremont Mark, he ended up transferring to Arkansas. So really the only main guy you can probably name that's in the starting lineup still for Houston is Jamal Shedd. Uh, but they do bring in the Baylor transfer, LJ Cryer, the guard position. It's really important if he can stay healthy. And then the forward, Jawan Roberts, was kind of the – 1B to 1A for Jarris Walker last year. So it'll be interesting to see what Samson's got with this team. There's some unknowns, but I mean, it's good to have a guy like Shed that's been in the program for so long to kind of keep things stable. All right. We'll take a quick little pause here. We do want to hit you guys with a Buckeye basketball preview. If they are going to have a huge bounce back season, it will be because of what we will answer that. And also I have my two favorite Bobby Knight clips out of about 6,722 that you could choose from. So boiling that down to two, probably pretty tough. I think one of them 
is just fitting that we bring back up on the day that he dies, and you'll see why. Stick around a three-second pause. It's Mad About Hoops. All right, Tim, it's time for the Buckeye segment, and a lot of content to take out of the exhibition game between Ohio State and Dayton. We haven't Very had, cool. We too. actually haven't had the chance to really talk about it yet since that game happened. I and want then, it to be a regular season game now, after the fact. I, I Can we do that? Yeah. And I'll Hol- take that win. And Holman's talked about, you know, scheduling a home and home with them. And I'm I'm kind of curious what the what's hanging that up and, and not really getting that finished and figured out, but hopefully they do decide that. I'll tell you what, it's because there's too much that's built into your schedule. That's what it is, That's right? Well, That's a big it's a big part of it. I know they've talked, they've said some things here recently how they want to do a little bit more for the fans that are buying tickets at home. And in in talking to some people over there, they want to they want to stress too. This Texas A&M team that's going to play them they're early legit. in the season. Oh yeah. They're top 15. And I knew this would be a problem for them because knowing where we are at Ohio State where the fandom's all going to be for the football team and we understand that. It's a good non-conference home game. It just Texas A&M people aren't thinking of it's a Friday night. It's a Friday night game, but people aren't thinking of AC law the way you and me are right. Some of these old dudes that played at A&M, they don't have Kentucky or Texas or UNC or even Villanova or, you know, UConn Marquette type of background. So it'll be tough to push and move tickets for, but it is a good game. And I want more of that. And I, I just think they're still at this point where you've got the tournament that you're going to play. That's really my take is I want the holiday tournament to stay a thing. Everything else I could see fizzle away. The ACC Big Ten Challenge was great because it was at home sites. Well, it was it built like, in, but it was at home sites. And it sounds like Gavit games aren't guaranteed to happen past the season. Yeah, too. Gavit games are kind of going bye-bye. So that was another cool thing because it was home site games. Right. But it's also taking a spot that you can't schedule because that's scheduled for you because mm-hmm. of an event you're in. But, you know, the other thing that Ohio State is in, is involved in, I get confused on the names now because we just had the Champions Classic, the CBS Sports Classic. I think that's right. So they're involved in that. That's another neutral site thing. I'd rather, I like getting locked into big games like that, but if you could guarantee me that you're just going to go out and schedule a big dog, like who wouldn't want to see Gonzaga? Come to Columbus. Right. If you're telling just do it, yeah. you know, make a schedule. If do you're it. telling me you could swap out the Champions Classic or the CBS Sports Classic with a home and home type of game with a different big tier opponent, yeah. then I'll make Arizona, that sacrifice. Tennessee. Absolutely. Something like that. I, I'd make that sacrifice if you you gave two of those up, but then you made sure you scheduled two what you view to be big dog programs. Like what Ohio State football has typically always done with at least one mega opponent on their schedule outside of the big 10. So that's where they are. But no, the Dayton game, it was a really cool thing to do. And yes, jokingly after the fact, now that you go in there and win in a packed house and that's a preseason pick to win the a 10. I wish that one counted. I wish that was a, a real game now. Cause a nice eight point win for a Buckeye team. That's gotta get some legs and have a comeback season. Here's a, would you rather, would you rather have that game counted or get more details on the secret scrimmage? Ooh, yeah. Uh, those that, that's that secret scrimmage, right? What what do you what do you know about the secret scrimmages and how they're put together? Oh, I mean, some of the ones that have happened already. I know that that Twitter account or X account, uh, Trilly Donovan, tries to leak like details of these secret scrimmages, and I don't know how legit or real they are, but um, 
it sounds like each year they're playing pretty solid opponents. So you would like to maybe hear more publicly of what's happening with those. But I get it's an NCAA thing. You got to follow the rules on that. But uh, no, it sounds like great opportunities to just get more time on the court for these guys. We, I, I had Ron Stokes, former captain for Ohio State, who still joins us for a segment on every single warm-up show, leading into every Buckeye men's basketball game on the fan. And his take about the secret scrimmage is that some stuff you just want to do behind closed doors. There's certain ways you want to coach. Like rotations your, and whatnot? Maybe that. And also just okay. certain ways you want to coach your team where everyone else can't see. Still a fiery, competitive type of nature, but you want to be able to do some different things in some different ways. Like the, You the, know what I mean? The rumor of one I did hear was like a Marquette-Michigan game that was like 119 to 115, and they played... NBA style, twelve minute quarters. Like it just seems like, yeah, it's a, it's an opportunity for these teams to do something different, to give them a different angle or a, a different approach to a uh, to see how their team responds to certain situations. We look at this Ohio State team, and if they are going to be back, if they are going to be really good, it will be because of what? Oh wow. Okay, I think it's <laughs> it could be a product of multiple things. But if you had to make me choose one, it's consistency from your point guard and consistency from Bruce Thornton, who a guy who could score and he could show you could score 16 plus points per game. If he can do that, I feel pretty confident in where this team can go. Now, obviously, there's other parts or components of the team that really needs to step up to help them get to that point. But if I had to pick one, it's Bruce Thornton. Bruce Thornton is exactly the one that I would say. And Chris Holtman, the Buckeyes head coach, as he was getting ready for this season, this was about a month back in the season preview press conferences. He's so excited about the whole entire sophomore class. He, he really has. You know, we have, as you know, as you know well, we had, when we were starting four freshmen at the end of the year, and we have three of those returning. Uh, Bruce kind of leads the way uh, at the point guard spot. Felix Ocparo was the other one uh, starting. He's our 6'11 center that is back for his sophomore year. He's added about 30 pounds of muscle. He'll look a little bit different to you. And then Roddy Gale is, is our wing freshman that was that is back. So those three guys uh, we expect to, to make a, a real solid jump for us. Bruce is going to lead the way there. Yeah, he started off by, by mentioning Bruce Thornton at the beginning of his answer, his response there. And I'm, I'm with you. And it's that backcourt, right? It's Bruce yeah. and it's Roddy and it's what those guys showed yesterday. You mentioned some other names in there. Felix Okpara is going to be a key. And I, I also think you're at a point now where you saw the starting rotation against Dayton, but that doesn't mean it's going to be the exact same thing. Evan Mahaffey, the transfer right. from Penn State, hearing a lot of good things about him. That was a surprise to see him in the starting lineup. I think you know Roddy and Bruce are starters. Outside of that, Zed Key's health. What just whether they like him more or a Felix Okpara type as the five, a lot of this still remains to be seen as they go forward in the early portion of the regular season. Yeah, honestly, that that starting lineup kind of made a statement to me when I was watching that game, and it kind of showed me that Holtman's really serious about putting a defensive lineup out on the floor, uh, especially having Mahaffey who can guard pretty much. I, I don't know if I want to compare him to Isaac Likely, but he can probably do similar things to what Likely did last year, and it's it's guard all parts of the floor. I mean, he was a point guard in high school, but he's got the bottle body of like a, a forward. So 
it'll be interesting to see how Holtman uses him throughout the year. I'm I'm actually pretty excited to see how much he contributes in his first year in the program. But it's a lot of different pieces. It, it's Dale Bonner, the Baylor transfer, who had, I believe, four steals in that game against Dayton. Just really seeing these guys provide some versatility on the defensive side of the floor. That was what I was most eager to watch in that game. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of glimpses of that between those two, plus throwing a Scotty Middleton that was really good in the passing lanes. Uh, that's really the biggest thing with this program, man, is we got to see, is there going to be improvement on the defensive side of the ball? And if we want to take gotta. that date, if we, gotta if, if we take that Dayton game as evidence, it looks pretty good so far. Well, the Ken Palm early ranking on Ohio State, it's not that bad for being a team that is, you know, outside the tournament picture from Joe Lenardi, the Lenard dog. You're above Florida Atlantic. <laughs> yeah, Abo- above Florida Atlantic, right, who is ranked preseason top 10. You're 35th in the Ken Palm. And that's with a top 50 adjusted defense and adjusted offense rating. So in the top 50 in both for starters, again, it's before you played a real game and you've had a secret scrimmage and something that we all saw <laughs> a nice win against a good team uh, with the Flyers. But it's it's not the worst t- place to be starting. Scotty Middleton, a name you mentioned, that's definitely going to be the the hot shot, true freshman, if one of these guys is going to be a real difference maker. And I don't know if we've got a Bryce Sensabaugh, Malachi Branham type of difference maker, but I think Scotty Middleton could get to a point where he is really providing a lot for this team. And what some if big offensively, minutes. I mean, I know he's an older guy and defensively, historically hasn't been great, but what if that guy could be Jamison Battle and what he provides? Well, I mean, they're definitely going to be looking to Jamison Battle and he made some big shots. The guy can shoot it from the outside. They want him to be a big time rebounder for this team, someone that can provide some defense as well. Just a smooth it's a shot. Good, it's a like, good transfer. Like anytime you watched him take a shot from the three point line in that game against Dayton, it just felt like a confident shot. Like, oh yeah, that thing's going in. Or when Roddy Gale had a transition three, oh yeah, that's going in. Just some confidence in their shooting abilities is what I really liked on that side of the ball. We know it's another year where there's going to be a lot of growth. What do you? But in the preseason here, what's your gut telling you about where this team can finish? in the Big Ten, and yes, making the tournament, for sure making the NCAA tournament, yeah, willing I, to go that far? I, I'm willing to go that far. I, I think they're Tournament pro- team. I think they're probably right now in like that 8-9 range. I think if I had to kind of predict it for now, probably that 8-9 range, and they can absolutely improve on that if the defense comes along as we're kind of expecting it to do. Uh, but really, it's going to depend on how they can manage the middle of the season with a younger team that is getting more experience going into year two for a lot of these guys is how are they going to manage the highs early and then maintain it through December, January and February? That's the biggest part of a team and how it shows growth throughout the year. So I'm curious to see that. Yeah, CB, as long as Ohio State doesn't have a stretch <laughs> where they lose 14 out of 15 basketball games, I think they could be a much better squad There's no way they're going to have a stretch like that this year. As we finish up this podcast, we go back to where we began. 83 years old, the general Bobby Knight, one of the biggest icons that college basketball has ever produced. Whether you love the guy, whether you hate his guts for the way that he did it, that is just a fact. I mean, you're seeing all the stuff that is written about him. If you follow any of the Indiana publications, like it's, it's kind of remarkable how deep they're going to write about him as they should, as they should. He was that big of a figure. I saw that uh, one of the things I would have been curious about was Steve Alford, right? You talk about key relationships like coach K and Bobby Knight. And we, I forget who did the reporting on that, but we've, I know we've discussed that in some of these recent podcasts from uh, last year or so, but that was wild to see how 
the Kay and Bobby Knight relationship deteriorated and how much that hurt Coach K. And to read some of the Jay Billis article to know how much it hurt Bobby Knight. But there's like this old school mentality where you can't show a sign of weakness, right? You can't apologize. Who's going to cave first? Yeah, yeah, you can't. You can't cave. Bobby Knight was not one of these guys that caved. It was uh, Jay Billis also asked Bobby Knight about one of the times where he just undressed a reporter who didn't ask one of the smartest questions. And Jay likes, why, why do you do that? You know, this guy probably was covering high school football and then he goes to cover you guys. And he's probably going to be on the police blotter later. And he said, Knight's reaction was, yeah, I probably, I probably shouldn't have done that, but I can't change now. (laughs) One of those things It is what it is at this point, but you know, was who he was. So like I said, out of the, you know, thousands of sound bites that you can go and find for Bobby Knight, these two, for whatever reason, hit me more. And this one was maybe the first one that I saw circulate on social media. Tate Frazier put this one out there, and it couldn't have been more fitting. And on the clip it was pulled from, it was number one, because SportsCenter has done those top tens of famous Bobby Knight outbursts or famous sound bites. This made sense on the day that he died. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my I don't even know why we have that edited out. You know what that is. I mean, we're on a podcast here, not on the air. I mean, uh, yes, I wonder. It, no, they're not going to do that. I'm sure he's going to be buried right side up. I don't know if he's going in the casket or if he's going to be cremated. Whatever. I wonder if he put it in the will, though. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'd like to see some Indianapolis star reporting on that. Exactly. Is it in the will? Is it really going to be ass up? Is that how this thing is going to go? I mean, you say it in an arena full of people that pretty much makes it so. That is the will, right? We've got you on camera. Oh, We've got th- you on I microphone saying so. it. I think that seals the deal. Anyone uh, anyone would say that. And then the other one, right after he was done at Indiana in 2000, the famous interview with Jeremy Shap. I'm Jeremy Shap. And they're just, I mean, this thing, you could watch it on YouTube. There's 35 minutes of this. I mean, they're really, like, this had to be such a big thing when the interview was playing that you got Bobby Knight a couple of days after this, and he's just giving his complete thoughts, just everything that's on his mind, everything that happened, he's telling you like it was. And it was this one part, though, where Jeremy, Bobby Knight thought, kept interrupting him. Here it goes. I when I talked about, about Pat. Bob, you came here to do an interview. I'm asking you questions. When I talked, well, then let me finish the okay. answer. Is that okay, go Jeremy? Ahead. Is that fair enough? Please go right Have ahead. I interrupted your questions yet? Yes. No, I haven't. You've interrupted my answers with your questions, and then I've tried to get back. So Please let me continue. finish this. you got a long way to go to be as good as your dad. You better keep that in mind. I appreciate uh, it. Ooh, <laughs> it's wow. hard. It's hard not to not to snicker when he says that. When you watch the video, Bobby Knight is scratching his chin when you hear that pause. He's just scratching his chin and kind of has this look in his eye like, Am I going to say, I this? say this? Yes. Should I say this? <laughs> F it. Yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying this. <laughs> and, you know, 
It wasn't profane or anything. No. It was just the way that 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 is what that interview pretty much became. It was whoa. <laughs> wow. And then everyone sided with Jeremy Schapp. And that was another one of those examples where it was Bobby Knight the bully. And so it became a little bit more about because that. Of, yeah, it because almost of the added shot on. At, yeah. It almost added on to the reason why he was let go, right? He had the zero tolerance policy. The whole thing that made it blow up was him grabbing the arm or the elbow of some kid that he thought was disrespectful. And several times in that interview, he said, I'd do it. I'd do the same thing tomorrow, the next day, and the next day because it's about respect and respecting your elders. I mean, what's crazy about that one is it really wasn't even bad until the shot at the end uh, when he, he makes a comment to Jeremy. But uh, No, it, it, before it was just Bobby Knight, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, in, a, it's in, a very in a tame form. It's a tamed version, but at the end of the day, it still is a, a example of what dealing with him in the media was probably like back in the 80s or 90s in a very smaller scale, but... You know, that's who he was, and he was not ashamed of it. Quick look at some of the top teams and their week one action here. Monday, November 6th, the big day for college basketball where everybody gets going. There are no ranked-on-ranked games to be had on that first Monday. So the number one team in the country, Kansas, will be at the field house. That place will be rocking. They'll be taking on North Carolina Central. Solid program out there. Number three, Purdue will host Samford. Number six, UConn will take on Northern Arizona. Number nine, Tennessee will host Tennessee Tech. And, you know, I could go on and on and on, but it's is there a particular game? Yeah, I think pops the, one, out to you? Yeah, the one you got to name probably the most intriguing of night one is probably USC and Kansas State out in Vegas for there the it is. Hall of Fame series. Yep, there it is. Kansas State's probably not going to be the same as what they were last year, but Jerome Tang, I'm never going to rule out. And what is this USC team with a lot of different pieces joining the team? Uh, Collier, uh, Isaiah Collier joining the backcourt with Boogie Ellis. Probably going to be one of the better guard teams in the country with the Trojans. Yeah, and like we said, you'll get that Champions Classic. You'll get four big dogs playing the following Tuesday in week two of the college basketball season. And leading into that week on our next podcast, we will have the final four picks. We will lock them in. So you don't want to miss that. Colin, this was so much fun. It's kind of sad. Bobby Knight gone and all that, but... His legacy being what it is, a legend in the game. But now uh, I'm sure that'll be discussed and they'll pick ways to honor him throughout the college basketball season and his imprint on the game. The other one I want people to watch, because I don't I can't play it for you right now because it just popped into my head. His thoughts on Michael Jordan. Had you seen that circulating at all on a, the millions of clips that people I have been posting? I think I saw it in print. Okay. But yeah. I don't think I heard it. It's just it's just hardcore basketball. Mm-hmm. That's the good in Bobby Knight. He's in its uh, it's college aged Michael Jordan before he's done a single thing before right. he's dribbled a ball in the NBA. And I think the GM of the Portland Trailblazers wanted Bobby's advice on this guy. And he told him basically you'd be foolish not to take him. And then the Trailblazers didn't take him, you know, because they said we already have Clyde Drexler. He's like, well, then play Jordan at center. You know, like that's <laughs> that's what you should do. But there's a clip of him just going on and on and on and on and on and on about why Michael Jordan is so unbelievable at the game of basketball. And it's just the type of respect that you can hear from Bobby Knight about Michael as a player and his dedication and his level of compete and athleticism. It's just, it's pretty cool. And then of course, Jordan winds up becoming the greatest player to ever dribble a basketball. And you you see that there. That's one I would, I would say you should check out. 
And again, man, a lot of fun. College basketball is here. Hopefully all of our listeners are just as excited about it as we are. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have Final Fours to break down, and then we'll also have the Champions Classic coming up. So it's a lot coming real fast. Uh, Make sure you tune in because a lot of basketball is coming right away. Yeah, what does our guy, uh, the godfather, John Rothstein, say? We sleep in May. May. Yeah, so get some rest, and it'll be a fun season. Thank you guys so much for checking us out here on Mad About Hoops.